Wow, that's incredible to see what's going on in other parts of the world and the involvement that West Cabarrus Church has in this ministry of planting churches and training pastors and, and sharing the gospel throughout all the world. It's, it's such an honor to be here today um, and a privilege to speak to the congregation. And for my uh, hermanos que hablan español, es un placer estar aquí con ustedes hoy día. So, Thank you for all my brethren that serve throughout the world that speak Spanish. I love you guys and I appreciate you and really respect your language. Uh, earlier this year when Pastor Ryan invited me to, to speak at the Missions Focus, I eagerly accepted the invitation not knowing that it would be here on Sunday morning. So, um, just for the record, I was as shocked then as some of you may be today. Because I bet you're thinking, he walked in this morning, they just drug him out of the congregation and put him up there. That's really not the case. As you already know, my name is Bobby Bird, and my wife is Sarah Willingbird, or more affectionately known as Sara or Sarita in Guatemala. We've been serving as directors of an international missions ministry called World Reach Missions Incorporated since 2010, and we currently work in Belize and Guatemala where our primary focus is training and equipping pastors, church planting in rural areas where there is no evangelical representation, partnering with national ministries to increase their effectiveness, and facilitating ministry projects to strengthen the church. And as a point of reference, in a few days, I will be celebrating 25 years of being a follower of Christ. And in December... And, and in December, Willene and I will celebrate 23 years of marriage. You know, as you get older, dates become more and more important to you. I would like to begin by sharing a story. It's a real story. Twelve days ago, we were in the mountains of Guatemala conducting a Bible leadership training session with the director of our Bible Institute and one of our ministry partners. At the end of the day, after we finished the training session, we began our trip back to Neba, Guatemala, from a village called Ilon Chahul Quiche, a short distance of only 35 miles. We, when we left Ilon Chahul that afternoon, the elevation was 3,300 feet above sea level with sunshine. The mountain road full of extreme terrain took us across rocks, ravines, and creek crossings. Everything looked good to this point, but we knew we just needed to press forward to arrive at our destination. As we began the ascent up the mountain, I knew we would be entering some of the most dangerous areas where the road was nothing more than just a path along the top of the mountain. If you look to the left or if you look to the right, it was a 900-foot drop-off on either side. As the sun began to set, we entered the zona de nubes, or clouds, at 7,200 feet. And to make matters worse, it began to rain. You could not see more than 15 or 20 feet in front of the SUV that we were driving 
following the GPS map on the dash monitor, Willene was giving me turn-by-turn directions so we would not run off the mountain. As I hovered over the steering wheel, just gripping the steering wheel with everything that I had in me. I wanted to stop, but I knew if we did, we would run the risk of being in a situation far worse than we were. It was no doubt doubt the longest three and a half hours of my life. But you know what was interesting? When we got back to Nabah that evening, three and a half hours later, I realized that God did not remove the clouds or rain. He did not remove the rocks or ravines. He did not widen the road or straighten out the curves. And even though we felt like we were walking through the valley of the shadow of death, He was with us. He did not forsake us, and He did not abandon us. See, likewise, 23 years ago, we knew God was stirring our hearts to surrender to Him completely. In 2006, we felt He was calling to a Spanish-speaking ministry where we could share the love of Christ through our testimony. Our hearts burned with passion to share the same salvation through grace that we had abundantly received. Despite this, we also knew we would face many challenges that seemed impossible for us to overcome. We knew if God did not move in our circumstances, we would never be able to follow through on what He called us to do. You see, we felt disqualified because of failed marriage and divorce in our past. We had a blended family. We had a mortgage, we had careers, and we had responsibilities. No one believed in us. We had no financial support. We did not know the culture, and we did not speak the language. But ultimately, we trusted God and watched Him make a way. Through all of our circumstances, trials and tribulations, God has been faithful. He is faithful, and He will continue to be faithful. He continually oppresses upon our heart, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, where it says, Faithful is He who calls you, and He will also bring it to pass. You see, I believe it's a common theme among many Christians, whether they are saved early in life or late in life whether they carry emotional, spiritual baggage or not, they tend to believe that God cannot use them. Lord, please forgive each and every one of us for thinking too high of our sins and too low of your ability to do great things with impossible circumstances. Romans 8, 1 and 2, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of death, sin and death. As David Bernier, a missionary to the Native Americans, once said, God uses broken people. God uses broken people. If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, please turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, beginning in verses 35, 38. 
Matthew 9, chapter, verses 35 and 38, beginning in verse 35. The Bible says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today. God, we come before your throne of grace and mercy, thanking you so much for the opportunity and the privilege that we can do so. Recognizing it is only by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that we have access to you, Father. And God, we ask now, Lord, during this short time that we have this morning, that you give us guidance and wisdom as we look into your word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we ask that you speak to us, Father God. That you prick our hearts, that you move within us, that we might be different for your kingdom, God. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. My question this morning, is the church on mission like Jesus? A lot of rhetorical questions today. Is the church on mission like Jesus? You see, in verse 35, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages. He was teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He was healing every kind of disease and sickness. You know, I have the unique perspective of being a guest speaker today. And at the same time, an attendee of this church when we're not traveling for our ministry. You know, I had the opportunity to get to know people and observe different ministries here at West Cabarrus Church. I love the mission of West Cabarrus Church. I love it. West Cabarrus Church exists to glorify God by making more and better disciples from neighborhoods to nations. I love the mantra, glorify God. Making more and better disciples from neighborhoods to nations. West Cabarrus Church is involved and engaged in neighborhoods and nations. You know, Pastor Ryan shared with me some time ago how lives have been changed by the gospel at Cabarrus Development Center. You know, you, you folks are serving teachers and administrators at Pitt Elementary School. Harrisburg Elementary School, Beverly Hills Elementary School, and Carl Fur Elementary School. You know, then there's CityServe, Bags of Hope, CCM Service Projects, Essential Workers Connection, Neighborhood Food Pantry, Sewing on Ministry. You know, you've got the Ladies Ministry, you've got the Men's Ministry, you've got the Kids and Student Ministry. Mission teams are being sent out from this church. Missionaries are being supported by this church. And as we have seen this morning, missionaries are being sent out from West Cabarrus Church to go into all the world. Members witnessing to non-believers resulting in salvations, baptisms, and church growth. The church's engagement in these ministries is an indication 
that church leadership is on the right path to fulfill the mission statement. Wesca Bears Church exists to glorify God by making more and better disciples from neighborhoods to nations. While this is great news for Wesca Bears Church, there are still many recurring issues that negatively impact the body of Christ. I want you to hear me well on this. It's good news for West Cabarrus Church, all that West Cabarrus Church is involved in. But if we look at the church, the body of Christ, there are still many recurring issues that negatively impact the body of Christ. So today, as a result of this, we must permit a time of self-examination or introspection where we ask ourselves as followers of Christ, is there anything that hinders us from sharing the gospel? Is there anything? I would like for you to consider some of these hindrances. Consider these hindrances. No missional heartbeat. That's a tough one to start with. Not understanding the why, the why we exist. We exist to glorify God and to make Him known. Here are a few of examples. You know, I'm the guest speaker today, so I've asked Pastor Ryan to make the door available if I need to run out of here. But God's put this on my heart, I'm going to say it. At the top of the list, this is one of my all-time favorite responses. I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Well, let me help you with this. It's not a gift. It's not a spiritual gift. It's the willful, intentional action to share the grace you have received with a lost person. It's our responsibility as followers of Christ to make the gospel known. When the church leadership plans an outreach activity, but they don't have sufficient volunteers or adequate resources to meet the need. Then we have the 80-20 rule. It's where 80% of serving is done by 20% of the congregation. I have seen these things firsthand while visiting local churches. Missionaries attend mission conferences. They come and share their ministry, their passion for the gospel, their heartbeat for the lost. And the body of Christ does not take time to stop and learn more about their ministry. Think about this. If there was a car in the parking lot this morning with a family inside, and suddenly the car erupted into flames, how would the church respond? I believe we would get up out of our seats and rush to the door. And undoubtedly, some would run to the aid of victims and do all they could to do to rescue them. In this extreme illustration, do we see the sense of urgency? People are stepping into eternity without Christ. It is urgent that we take the gospel to the world. Another hindrance, church hurt. Some Christians have been hurt 
and hurt badly by other Christians. They withdraw from corporate worship. They withdraw from relationships. They withdraw from the work of the gospel. Another hindrance. Fear of COVID. Yes, it's serious. It has taken lives. It has left a scar on many. But in some churches, COVID has become an excuse for the church not to be the church. Satan has used COVID as a whipping stick and beat some of the body of Christ into submission over the last three and a half years. But is our fear of COVID greater than our trust in the Lord? Another hindrance. A fear to share and live out the gospel because of the tension caused by politics, race relations, and division in the church. Is the church today Christ-centered, gospel-focused, and mission-minded, or is it focused on something else? Christ-centered is the realization that the source of everything we are is the Lord. Christ is the motivation for everything we say and do. Christ is the object of our desires, our service, and our obedience. Gospel-focused. Why is the gospel the answer? Because it is the good news that sinful people can be made right with a holy God by repenting of their sin and calling upon Jesus as Savior and Lord. A person who lives a gospel-focused life is the individual who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ and made the death and resurrection of Christ the foundation of their life. Are we mission-minded? The belief that all people must hear the gospel. It's leadership that bleeds for the nations to hear the name of Christ. It's the body of Christ set in motion to cross all cultures with the hope of eternal life through Christ. It's the DNA of the church. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Does the church see people like Jesus sees them? In verse 36, Jesus sees the people. In terms we can understand, he realized their situation. He understood their struggles. He did not look over them. He sought them out. Years ago, Willene and I, while walking through the neighborhood, from time to time, we would see quarters and dimes and nickels on the ground, and it generated immediate response by reaching down and picking them up. And sometimes even a little friendly competition. You know, I'd knock Willene down for a quarter. Just kidding. One day as we were walking, I came across a penny. The lowest denomination in the U.S. currency. It has the monetary value of one cent. You know, you can't buy a lot with a penny. For some unknown reason, I was motivated to reach down and pick up the penny. As I began to reflect on this piece of copper, this piece of metal, the Holy Spirit began to impress upon me the value of this penny as it relates to the human soul. How many times have I walked over a penny and never considered its true value or worth? And how many times have I passed over a person and never consider their value to God. 
It was a defining moment in my walk with Christ. You see, God has created each human being with an inerrant value and worth. We have an inerrant value because we are made in the image of God. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Do you see what Jesus was referring to here? Do we see how what he saw then still applies to our world today? There are people around us that are in great need. People need to hear the gospel. The world is lost and in a state of confusion over who they are. But God is not the author of confusion. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You see, Jesus healed and performed miracles, but his greatest concern was a spiritual condition of man. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In verse 36, Matthew records the words of Christ for the Jewish audience revealing his compassion for the lost. So the question is, do we see others with compassion like Christ saw us when we were miserable, wretched unbelievers? Compassion is a strong word for an emotional response that always results in a caring action. Do we have compassion for the lost? To plain it stately, does the church, do we care about the lost? I'll be honest. I struggle with this sometimes. Unknowingly, I can be like a piece of 80-grit sandpaper, you know, very abrasive, not seeing the obvious and not speaking up. I don't want any amens from the Guatemala mission team that came and spent a week with me, okay? I'm, I'm, I try to be compassionate, okay? It's just one of those things that comes hard. Then there is the why he felt compassion. His words tells us they were distressed, dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Distressed as in being troubled, being afflicted. Dispirited meaning they were rejected, they were cast off. Their spiritual state was like sheep without a shepherd. The people were lost, wandering aimlessly, showing no concern for the dangers of the world. Sin undoubtedly was a part of the equation. He saw the gravity of unforgiveness and eternity separated from God. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You see, sin is an incurable disease apart from the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As we mature and grow more knowledgeable of Scripture, do we become more compassionate and understanding of our sinfulness and our need of grace? Or do we become more complacent and cynical of God's transforming grace in the lives of unbelievers? You know, this hit home for me years ago. 
while at Starbucks and Concord Mills. I was waiting for a drink order, standing in the mall, and the Holy Spirit began to impress upon me the gravity of the lost. You see, I looked out into the mall, and I saw the young, I saw the old, I saw men, I saw women, I saw teenagers, I saw children of all ages and all different races. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my spirit and asked me, Bobby, do you have compassion for these people? Bobby, can you love these people? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Does a church understand what is at stake? In verses 37 through 38, he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The key word here being beseech is to beg urgently or to request fervently for something. But to beg urgently for what? Workers. Workers for his harvest. You see, we are to pray to the Lord to send out workers. I have a picture of a good friend of mine, a brother in Christ, a fellow worker. His name is Vicente Manzanares, and he is a pastor who currently serves in Patin, Guatemala, with our ministry. The photo was taken in 2011 outside of Oaxaca, Mexico, where he and I were in deep conversation. You see, Vicente came to the United States when he was 16 years old and worked in construction to support his aging parents. He was not a Christian when he came to the United States, and his sole purpose for being here was to make a living. He was not a believer, and he lived that way until one day, 10 years later, when God used a tragedy in Vicente's life to get his attention. Due to this event, Vicente came to Christ by the witness of a co-worker. He surrendered to full-time Christian ministry, and for three years he attended a local Bible institute before accepting the call to ministry to be a missionary in Guatemala. At the time of the photo, Pastor Vicente and his family had been relocated to Mexico due to the murder of a pastor he worked closely with in Guatemala. The short-term relocation was very stressful for Vicente and his family, not knowing if they were on a list also. As we stood there that day, my wife, Wuling, took the photo, and she later asked me, what were you talking about? I explained to her that Pastor Vicente, I asked him, why did you leave everything behind to live this life? I will never forget his answer. He said, because I understand the cost of my salvation. Christ gave his life so that I might have eternal life. The least I can do is surrender my life to him. Yes, salvation is a free gift from God. We should frequently consider the tremendous cost that our, sal 
cost that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ paid for our salvation. It was free, but it was not without cost. Christ bore the wrath of God on the cross so that we would not have to. You see, Christ did not just die for us. He died instead of us. This should motivate us as followers of Christ to pick up our cross daily and follow after him regardless of the cost. You see, we are to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, folks, we don't have to pray about something God has already commanded us to do. We don't. We don't have to pray about what God's Word says when He gives us a directive. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. How will the church respond? How will the body of Christ respond? How will we here today respond? In Matthew 10, verses 1 through 5, we see where Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And he empowered them with the authority to change the world. He sent them out as witnesses. They went knowing they might be rejected and despised. Lord, to whom shall we go? Peter said in John chapter 6, You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. As Jesus sent them out, He sends us out today. You are the answer to whom shall He send. You are the answer to whom shall He send. You see, we can't stop at the cross. We can't stop at our salvation. We can't stop at church membership. God has called us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Obedience is required by the body of Christ. We are to be passionate about Christ. We are to be passionate for sharing the gospel. We are to be passionate for the hope of eternity that we have with Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. You see, whether we serve directly or indirectly, we are all sent out to the harvest. See, we can't settle for being a spectator. Get it, we, got it, we have to get involved and participate. We can't let the lies of Satan steal the victory in our life that Christ has already won. You know, some go by serving in local church, some go by serving in local ministries, and some go by moving to another location. But we all have been commanded to go. From neighborhoods to nation, it starts right here. You see, it's proximity. It's nearness and space, time or relationship. Who is in your proximity? Where is your sphere of influence? Identify this and this is your mission field. It begins in your local church. 
your neighborhoods and the nations. If you look to your left, if you look to your right, the person beside you is in your proximity in this moment. Start here and go forward. I have a missionary in my neighborhood who is a perfect example of this. I don't know if she's ever been on a mission trip. I don't know if she's ever left a country. But as I have observed her life, she lives out the gospel in her home, to her family, to her neighbors, and throughout the neighborhood. She makes herself and the gospel available to everyone in her proximity. You see, despite the confusion and the chaos that exists in the world today, north is still north, right is still right, and Jesus is still the only way to the Father. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. How will you respond today? Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, once again we come before you, Lord, because you are our everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. You are our hope. You are our salvation. And God, through this grace and mercy that we have abundantly received from you, because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God, I pray that we will be people that are about your gospel, that we will be people that are passionate in pursuit of your gospel, that we will be people, Lord God, that are willing to surrender our hearts and lives, that we may go from neighborhoods to nations, Lord God, that we will live out this gospel, the same gospel that we have abundantly received. Lord God, I pray, Father, that we might not be people that are complacent, that we might be people that have tender hearts and that have compassion for the lost and that have a desire to see people reconciled to you through the work of the cross. Jesus, you are our everything. You are our hope. You are our salvation. God, I pray that you give us strength, Lord God, to stand today in the world that we live and to be different. Lord God, we love you today. We praise you. And we thank you for all that you're going to do for us in the mighty In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.